2, we're covering verses 15 through 21. And the title of this morning's message is, Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, we're going to start out that way, and we're going to conclude that way, uh, because that's something that we ought to always have before us, that statement, that proclamation, and that truth, that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. Let's begin by reading Galatians chapter 2, verse 15, which says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if... In our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you, Lord, once more for your word, for speaking to us. We know that you want for us and desire for us to understand what we have before us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us Lord, that you would help us understand the doctrine of justification. How important it is to apply that understanding to our own lives. That we would not go back to the things of the law to try and please you and be righteous. But rather would understand that we are truly and completely saved by the work on the cross. We are saved by your grace through faith in Jesus. And so we do not stand condemned before you, but completely justified, forgiven, as if we had never sinned. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Oh, what a love. Remind us of that often. And so we commit this morning into your hands or this time of teaching we ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just a reminder, at this time Paul is um, still addressing Peter. He's addressing Barnabas. He's addressing all of the Jews that uh, came from James. And how it is that because of when the Jews came that were sent by James that Peter and Barnabas and the others separated themselves from the Gentiles. Uh, we understand from uh, the last teaching that hypocrisy was revealed. Paul, knowing that this could have a severe and really amazing impact on the church, he addressed it, he revealed it, and he confronted, confronted this hypocrisy. Uh, we know that it was an awkward situation, but one that was necessary as there was much to gain from it. And so Paul knew that. There's not only much to gain from it then, but there, there is much to gain 
from this today. It was not a light subject. It wasn't a light subject that could be left for another day, but rather one that is of utmost importance to the Christian, to the person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, to the one who has surrendered their old life to Christ and have come to know a new life in Jesus Christ. Paul continues to address Peter, Barnabas, and the Jews, but don't forget that this letter is for the Christians in Galatia. Sometimes we can get lost in what Paul is referring to, but he's addressing the Galatians, the Christians in Galatia. Paul is telling of a time when this happened, but it was to show that not only is he confident in the gospel, but also, and more importantly, he was explaining to them this story. He was telling them this story to teach them the doctrine of justification. A people who were Gentiles and Jews understanding that it wasn't any different for the Jews or the Gentiles in how we, we would come to know salvation. Justification means being made righteous. And Paul was making sure they understood that it had nothing to do with what they had done, what they were doing, or what they will do according to the law, but had everything to do with what Jesus did, what He fulfilled. Paul wanted to make sure that they were justified by faith, and they knew that, not by works or by keeping the law. So justified, made righteous before God, just as if we had never sinned. Amazing. We still, we still sin because we're in the flesh, but as the Lord looks at us, He sees, not sinners, I, I know we always say, well, we're, we're sinners, Actually, uh, you sin because you're in the flesh. But guess what you're considered by God? A saint. A saint. Yeah. We're, we're saints. We need to always remember that. Because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. It is His grace. We are covered. We are covered. All right, let's talk about justified by faith. The first couple of verses here, let's read them again. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have, have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So Paul, after having confronted Peter's hypocrisy, reminds him that He's a Jew by birth. And actually, the language changes. Remember, you know, uh, or consider that the previous verses is all about Paul addressing Peter directly. You, 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 you. Now it's we. We are Jews. It's a good lesson for us as sometimes we come alongside and we give a word of exhortation. You know, there's a point to where, like Nathan, we should... Uh, come upon someone like David and say, you're, you're the man, right? And yet, Nathan was no better than David. And so we, David, right? And that's how the language needs to kind of shift at times to where it's like, okay, so the point has been made that this has been addressed, 
But now let's understand something. I, I am a Jew just like you, and we have come to understand that. Right, Peter? Barnabas? We've come to understand this. And that's what the way he's addressing Peter now. Because he's telling him, hey, listen, we, we're all Jews by birth. They all know that they are not justified by keeping the law, but rather through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that, Peter. We know that, Barnabas. You're, you're just not, you're not acting that, you're not living that out. You're, you're living two, in two ways. Paul was bringing to mind that they grew up observing the law. And yet, even then, knowing that they were not made right before God through it, what they knew growing up was a shadow of the, of the substance that was, come, that was realized in Jesus Christ. So that's what he's telling Peter. We, we've come to realize this. We've come to know this. You know this, Peter. This was the first time that the Apostle Paul used this word, justified. It is a legal term that is applied in a courtroom as a verdict. A person who is justified is a person who has been tried and found innocent of the charges brought against him and is free. And that's what he was using. As Christians, as Christians... Is our day of judgment before us or behind us? We need to make this very clear. Our day of judgment is behind us. Let's be very clear. Sometimes we act like we're condemned. We stay down when we should be popping right back up. Not because we're arrogant, but because we know God's grace. We're not fooled by the whispers of the enemy. The day of judgment is behind us. The great white throne judgment is for us or is it for those who remain in their sin? The great white throne judgment is not for us. We go before the Lord not because we stand condemned and are going to be judged. But that day will be one to where all the things we've done, thoughts said, all those things are going to be tested to see if they're worth anything eternal. And I, and I just, I, I know that a lot of things are going to be burned, wood, hay, stubble, you know. But I hope that something that, that perhaps we've done will last, right? Be precious before Him. As Christians, our day of judgment has come and gone in Christ. For our sins were judged on the tree. Our sins were judged on the cross. We are considered innocent. That's why we can say we are, we know our righteousness in Christ. We are justified by faith in Christ. We are innocent before God. Therefore, on Judgment Day, we will know the favorable status of grace more than at any other time. That's what I was delivered from right there. 
Paul was saying, Peter, we know this. We know that we are not saved by keeping the law. It's like, come on, Peter, come to your senses. You know this. Thus, and so it is for this reason that the second portion of verse 16 reads, So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. It's the, it's the therefore, it's the so, for, for this reason. We conclude with, we go to. This cannot be stressed enough. Here is how the literal translation of this section begins. So, we also have believed into Jesus Christ. Into. Uh, now this gives us a different picture. Not, not, that we, not that we have come to believe in Christ Jesus, but that we have come to believe into Him. What, what does that mean? It means that a person who knows salvation is a person who has personally committed themselves into Jesus for mercy, for refuge, uh, for grace. You are either in Christ or not. You know, a lot of people believe in God and are not saved. They, they believe that He exists. Even the demons believe and they tremble. There's no difference. The question that we ought to ask ourselves is, are our lives reflecting that we have believed into Christ, that He is truly our refuge, that He is truly where we find mercy and where we have found grace? Is He your refuge and is He your grace? And, or are you still looking for something or some, someone or something else? If you're not content with the Lord, then perhaps that's your answer. You're always looking for something to satisfy you, to find contentment in. We should find contentment in the Lord. I have been thinking a lot this last week, especially as we've gone down to Mexico. And I shared with my wife how it is that we live like kings and queens today. We're clueless. I'm just telling you, we're clueless. We live in these homes. We have heating and air we have running water. We have, um, in fact, I, I went to Stater's and I was sitting there in front of the bakery and, and I was thinking, I was looking at all these cakes and all these, these goods and I was thinking, these, these are beautiful. I, I bet King Solomon probably didn't have even this array. I mean, he'd walk through the store like, Wow! Who's the king of this place, right? I'm, but seriously, we, we live like kings and queens. Most of us have vehicles. We go from point A to point B and um, and yet for some reason, we're not content. It's always a little more. We should be content, as the Apostle Paul had learned to be content in all stations of life, you could say. In, in, whether 
cold, hot, hungry, full, with or without. Remember, he was beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, shipwrecked. No matter what, he was just content. I, I'm just looking forward. I'm, look, I'm really longing more and more just for that day. like we, we got we to reach out with the gospel reach out with the gospel and just tell people that what the good news is because he should be our refuge he should be our mercy and grace we should find contentment in him Psalm 91 1 and 2 says he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Oh, what a beautiful couple of verses. In fact, those verses are ours for refuge for this fellowship. Those are the very verses that we go to. That's what the name was established under. Now, Paul was saying that they had not committed themselves more to the law in order to be justified, but rather into Jesus Christ to be justified. Uh, Genesis fifteen six it reminded me of Abraham, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Uh, when this was brought forth, it was actually before circumcision was introduced. Therefore, uh, faith came. It was faith that justified Abraham prior to circumcision. And so, therefore, we understand circumcision. Listen, it may be um, this uh, physical act that's done, but it's representative of something that is far more important. And that's a circumcision of the heart is what Scripture tells us. To cut away the flesh... And to understand what faith truly is. Hebrews 11, in fact, is a chapter with a list of people from the Old Testament that exercised their faith and by it pleased the Lord. But faith in what? Or who? Was it just a choosing of faith over disobedience? I'll just be faithful because I just want to be faithful. I choose to be faithful. No, there's an object to our faith. Hebrews 11.13 says, These all died in faith. All of our forefathers, Old Testament times, they all died in faith, but they died in faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They knew. This wasn't it right here. No matter if we go into the promised land or we're anywhere else on this earth, in faith, they waved to the coming Messiah. They knew that He was coming. And it was, we, they are saved in the same way that we are saved. Saved by faith through grace. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Same way. It's just for them, it was the coming Messiah. For us, we look back. Their faith was in Jesus, the coming Messiah. Their view and greeting from afar was a faith in who was to come. 
But now he has come and we have found salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And, ha- and it has nothing to do with works, is what Paul was saying, or the keeping of the law, or circumcision, or in, you just go on and on. Just add whatever it is that you would like to add. None of that. Secondly, we are perfected, but not perfect. 17 and 18, as we read, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. It's not if we as Christians fail, but when we as Christians fail. We're going to fail. Each and every one of us. Even Troy. Yeah, sorry. Just, I know people looked at Troy and it's like, wow. Right? <laughs> we all are. We're, we're all going to fail at some point. We've all failed. When we got up this morning, I'm sure there was a point to where it's like, uh, well, I blew it. That was it. Last all of but 30 seconds, right? What do we do and what does that make Jesus Christ our Lord when we do sin? Does that make him a minister of sin is what the Apostle Paul was referring to. He was addressing because he is Lord of uh, people who sin. And the Apostle Paul answered it right away. He didn't want to, you know, make make anything doubtful. Uh, He wanted to make it very clear. His words, certainly not. Certainly not. A Christian who sins does not mean Jesus approves of sin no more than a child who disobeys is a child of parents who approve disobedience. I I don't approve disobedience. In fact, it's kind of that relationship that the Lord has with us. You're still my child, but it's for that reason that I love you that I'm going to discipline you. It's It's a picture. Small, imperfect, but it's a picture. As Christians, and I asked this earlier, are you labeled as sinners or saints by the Lord? We're saints. Saints, then quit calling yourself sinners. Cut it out. We know that you sin. We, we sin, right? Quit. It's like a person calling themselves drug addicts or alcoholics or anything else when they've been delivered from that bondage. You're a child of God and free in Christ. If I were still living that way, I can introduce myself, hi, my name is Rawl, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Rawl, and I'm a drug addict. And I could go on, there's a long list, but then we don't have that much time, nor is this the place and time for it. You're, you're not, we're not. That, that's a whole point. I am so glad that the Lord has delivered me from being enslaved to those things. But we are no longer condemned in Christ. Do you sin? Yes. But that doesn't nullify the grace that you have come to know in Christ. 
As a Christian, you have been forgiven for salvation, saved by grace through faith, according to Ephesians 2.8. So when you fail, you are inclined to go back, back to a list of do's and don'ts to get back into God's good graces. Don't we? We have that tendency to do that. Oh, where's that list? The Ten Commandments. They're here somewhere, right? Let's, let's follow. Is it check, 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 check. Oh, you know, we have a tendency to do that. And we, we shouldn't do that. I've always said Christianity is a life of surrender. Is a life of surrender. And Paul is saying, this is going back to the belief that you can be saved by works and that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross means nothing when we do that. We, we want to get back into God's good graces by following these do's and don'ts Therefore, what we're saying is the work on the cross was insufficient. It it actually maybe even meant nothing. I'm going back to the law, to the word, and I want to check it off. What we are to do is confess, repent, and walk. Are you trying to build your own road again? Picture a man that veers off the road and is walking, and we're talking about out in the country. There's this a, a dirt road. But at some point, this man veers off the road and finds himself in tall grass in the middle of a bunch of trees, and there's no road. Rocks, it's just very difficult terrain. And then someone approaches that man and asks a simple question. Do you know where you are? And then before you can answer... He gives the answer because you already know it. You just haven't said anything. You're in the wrong place. You're just quite simply, it's obvious, right? You're in the wrong place. The next question is important. Do you agree? Another question is very important also. Would you like to be in the right place? Confession is simply agreeing that where you are is not the right place. It's like confessing is agreeing um, what you did was wrong. I agree. Is that repentance? No, that's confession. That's just agreeing. I, I, I agree. I did wrong. And unfortunately, we don't get past that. It's more of like... Right? It's a smug attitude. So what? That's why the question has to follow that, would you like to be in the right place? Repentance is turning from where you are going in the wrong direction and moving in the right direction. Walking is living a life on the path that God has set for you according to His Word and by His grace. Paul is saying here that if he goes back to trying to be righteous before God through the keeping of the law, then he's actually opposing that which even the law pointed to, Jesus Christ and grace. It's wonderful, though, at the point that we answer those questions in the affirmative. Do you agree? Yes, I confess. I'm lost. That was not right. That is not right. And then we answer the next question, would you like to be in the right place? Yes, I would like to be in the right place. Can you help me? Write me. You know, it's like a capsized ship that needs to be righted. 
Yes, please write me. Bring me upright. Place me on the path. It's amazing how by God's grace we are plucked from the very place that we don't have to climb. We, we don't have to climb through all of... all. The, I don't know how far I got into this. No, God's hand can pluck you out of the depths of mire, of junk, and take you and put you, put you on the path. And now he tells each and every one of us, and I thank God for that grace, he tells us, now walk. The consequences of our actions, yeah, we may deal with them. But that doesn't mean we climb our way back into God's graces. He brings us right back out and puts us on that path, and he tells us, walk. I love that. So let's get one one thing straight. We are perfected in Christ, but we are not perfect. All right? So we can have patience, compassion, and grace towards one another. What should our response be when we sin? Confess, repent, and walk. Confess, repent, walk. Confess, repent, walk. Do that. Keep doing that. Keep going every single day. Don't stop walking. Keep confessing. Keep repenting. Keep walking. At some point, you'll gain that strength and keep going. And and you'll encourage others to come along on that path. And, And that's what it's all about. Bringing more people onto that path. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So justified by faith, perfected, not perfect, and thirdly, crucified with Christ. Verse 19 says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Crucified with Christ. What does it mean when Paul said, I died to the law? Well, it means that the law no longer had dominion over Paul. Paul was no longer a slave to the law. Paul renounced that type of of place it once held in his life. He completely rejected it. He he denied it. In fact, Paul knew that the law made him guilty before God. He, He knew that. He realized that. And therefore was the instrument that condemned him before God. The very law that he sought to follow and keep was the very law that actually... Deemed him condemned. You have broken it all. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another... Uh, so that you, you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for, for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. 
But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code or the letter. In verse 7, it says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would have uh, so, uh, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. And in the verse 13, it says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. It points to and gives us understanding that it is... Not the law that is bad. It is not evil. It is good. But it is the very law that revealed to us that we have missed the mark. We have missed the mark. And so we are thankful for it. You know, it, it's funny. Sometimes we say, well, where is that written? You know, we, we tend to do that quite a bit. Well, I don't see it. In, where is it written? Well, it, it says it right here. Right here. Jesus, as he taught Sermon on the Mount, he laid out and he clarified a lot of things. It says it right here. Therefore, because it says it right here, we understand that we have broken God's law. And because of that, our sin is revealed. The missing of the mark. But listen to this. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what we always have to go back to. Paul wasn't saying that the law was faulty, but admitting that the person is faulty in sin, in sins, missing the mark, is what brought death, not the law. The law simply revealed the sin and deemed the person guilty of its violation. How can Paul say he, was, he had died to the law? Well, when Christ died on the cross, he fulfilled the legal requirement for all sin of all people of all time. He was the perfect payment and atoned for everything. When Jesus said to Telestai, he said, it's paid in full. It is finished. There is no further, there's no additional legal requirement to secure salvation. It is completely done. No amount of effort on my part will get me any more righteous before God. Nothing. My righteousness is because I am in Christ. I was crucified with Him and resurrected with Him, and I will one day ascend to be with Him. My old life is dead, and I am alive in Christ. He purchased me with His own lifeblood. Therefore, and what this results in, is a life that is not our own. That's what we come to realize. It's not our own, but belongs to Jesus. And we are stewards of these lives. We manage it in a way that glorifies the one who purchased our life. Living by faith is not a blind faith, but it is a trusting faith. And a faith that continues to grow and strengthen the more it is exercised. Because you begin to build a mountain of evidence of God's faithfulness. You see that faith in Him is not blind but certain. I, I'm sure many of you can attest to that. 
oh, you know what? At first, you just, you're not sure, right? I've never trusted God in this way, especially if you're new to the faith. Like, I don't, I've never trusted God this way. But then you exercise that faith, and you see his faithfulness. Like, wow, that's truly amazing. You start building on that, and you see how faithful God is. And pretty soon, that's why um, I love the seasoned saints that have been walking with the Lord for many years. Have you noticed with them, nothing moves them. It's like, for others, oh, that's shocking. That's distracting. That's a, like, oh, we're all over the place, right? So I like that puppy that's like everywhere. To them, it's like, uh, just steady. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I see that. The Bible tells me about that and this and so much more. The Bible has taught me how to handle these situations. It tells me not to be anxious, not to worry, not to be overwhelmed. Know that tribulation is coming. But not to lose heart. Why? Because Jesus has overcome. So therefore, I'm in Christ. And I do not lose heart. <laughs> I don't get overcome, overwhelmed. And it goes from to this faith, it gets to this faith to where it's just solid. Just solid. And it pleases God when you walk by faith, trusting Him in all things. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then Paul concluded this section, and then he goes into um, another section. We'll cover that next week. But he concluded with verse 21, which says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. It's a very strong statement. He said that he didn't nullify or set aside or reject the grace of God, for in so doing he would have been saying that Christ died for no purpose. And I didn't do that. I did not reject it. I did not withdraw myself from it. He won't reject God's grace by saying or even implying that grace helps. Oh, how many people are guilty of this? I've done all that I can do. God help me. Have you ever done that? Man, I I just, I, I don't know what else to do. Lord, will you take the rest take it the rest of the way? Has it not been by God's grace all the way through? Yeah, salvation is his grace through and through. All the way. It is everything. He did it all. Not part, but all. Completely. Please remember always, and especially when you try to find God's grace through the keeping of the law. It is a response to his love and grace. Not to get it, but because He's given it freely through Jesus Christ. So let me leave you with this. Who loved me and gave Himself for me. But we can stop for a moment and consider what this means. Personally, if, if you were to 
think about that for a moment and understand what you have been delivered from and the hope that you have in Christ of forever being in His glory. Oh, we would all fall on our faces. We should. It should be a response. And just give God His due praise. We have sinned. He has been crucified. Yes, God loved the world and gave His only begotten Son, but each of you must believe personally and commit your lives personally and intimately and genuinely to the Lord and so come to know God's grace and forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. Personally. Sometimes we make, it's like, yeah, God loves the world. He loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, and like, think about those words. It, it, it was for you. Yes, He did that. His shed blood was sufficient for the world. But it's a gift that's offered. And when we believe, we believe into Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, that's what baptism symbolizes. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to the law. And we are free, indeed, in Jesus Christ. May we cling to Him. May we love on Him. May we express that love to others and be used to glorify Him in each and every moment of our lives. We're not perfect, but just know that we have been perfected. Let us walk in a way that is is exemplary, that in a way that is becoming of someone who has truly come to know God's grace and love, His mercy, and we simply respond by, by loving and living uprightly before Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You once more thanking You for Your grace. We are justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe into Christ. And Lord, we take refuge in Him. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And I pray, Father, that You would fill us with Your Spirit. Guide and direct. Give us Your wisdom. And help us, Lord, to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of that salvation. And so, Father, be with Your people. Bless the rest of this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name.